Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the June 7th, 2022 edition of Ask a Voter. Iowa, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, South Dakota, and yes, right here in California is our primary today. On this June 7th, Ask a Voter honors our biannual tradition of bringing voter stories to you listeners on your way to the voting booth. Today, three remarkable guests offer one of many takes, uh, one of many Moms Demand Action. That's Gisela Tanner and Brianna, AKA in Minivan Hell. She's an Orange County Amps extraordinaire on Twitter and UC Irvine English professor, founding director of Illuminations, Julia Lupton. I hope to include Carol Rowe, whom I invited upon meeting her at the California GOP convention this last April. I'll try to fit her in, crossing my fingers here. Voting centers and registrar voters' ballot drop boxes will be open tonight until 8 p.m. If you're in line before 8 p.m., stay in line. You will get to vote. Help someone get to these places as well. Details are available at your ocvote.gov if you're in Orange County. So we'll be right back after a real short one. Welcome back to the show. My first guest is Gisela Tanner, veteran, administrative assistant, and legal with legal experience in Workman's Comp, and she is an advocate for victims of violent crimes. Her advocacy comes from her own experience as a mother of a victim of gun violence. Ellis Reed, I'm going to say his name. We're going to say his name in this segment. As a mom, a member of Moms Demand Action Against Gun Violence, it's her goal to educate, heal, and to be a voice for the voiceless. She lost her son, Ellis, when at the age of 28, he was fatally shot. That was in May 2019. The case will be of interest when she speaks to her voting and activism. I was honored to have met her at the End Gun Violence rally that Bethany Webb organized last Saturday in Seal Beach. She comes to us today from Fullerton. Welcome to Ask a Voter, Gisela Tanner. Oh, good morning to you, Claudia. Thank you for having me this morning. Thank you. So this is this deal. We ask voters on Ask a Voter Day their story. I want to know, Gigi, when did you first register to vote? And tell us about the circumstances at the time. Okay. Um, I first registered in 2008. And uh, that uh, year was a historic moment. That's when Obama uh, ran for uh, office and was declared uh, the winner. So I just wanted to be a part of history um, regarding a, the first African-American to be um, elected as president of the United States. So, I, 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 you know, when I was 18 and old enough to uh, register it wasn't a household topic, and I um, really didn't take what um, the, the initiative to to vote because I, at the times, at that time, being 18, that was in 1980, 81, I just didn't feel as though my vote would even count, so I didn't bother to register. And then the other thing was, I found out that when you do register to vote, 
that you're automatically in a pool to become a uh, register for jury duty. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. Oh. So, yeah, those are the circumstances. Well, thank you. So, Gigi, why are you voting today? And did you already vote? Yes, I, I voted already. And um, I have to uh, be honest with you, Claudia, it was mind-boggling because some of the candidates I was not familiar with. There was only, well, Gavin Newsom, of course, I was familiar with, and Senator Tom Umberg. And for Orange County, I was familiar with Doug Chafee, who's running for Orange County Supervisor, rerunning, I, I would assume. And I believe, uh, uh, I don't know if it's his wife, Paulette Chafee. Yes. Um, yes. So I, 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 those are the names that I did recognize that I know of their backgrounds. But the other candidates, I did, I really didn't know. So I just, uh, whatever name popped out at me and I felt it, I just voted for it. Okay. So, well, you know, I mean, I always say to people, I, I mean, I don't tell them how. I just tell them they have to vote. And I say, you have to vote down ticket. And they look at me like I'm being a little bit in their face. And I say, well, to get that job done, you... You just need to go to someone you trust, and I think I've said this often on the show, someone you trust can help you complete the down-ballot races because they have such an impact. So I don't know, it, were you? did you confer with others to help you with that? No. Um, moment, you know, Claudia, I was kind of like um, almost deterred um, from voting because of the lack of um, knowledge that I had regarding um, uh, the candidates. And so um, I decided because of the nature of what's going on, you know, today regarding uh, the issues of all these mass shootings and what really tugged at my heart was the Uvalde mass shooting that took those children away and just looking at their faces and knowing what their parents are going through because I myself have gone through uh, that journey that they're uh, getting ready to go through. And so I know what that feels like. So that's what you know, had me to uh, vote just on instinct. So hopefully um, that those candidates that I did vote for are uh, will be able to, you know, do something regarding um, this uh, gun reform. So on instinct, that is a guide for you in your voting. So uh, are you able with um, resources like the candidates' websites or with flyers or something? Is there... Are you able to find the kind of code that says what is carrying the criminal justice themes that resonate with you? How do you parse all that, Gigi? Well, you know, I didn't, um, I'll be honest with you once again. I was, uh, huh, because of past, um, one thing when I said earlier, when I voted for Obama, and I believe um, under his tenure, it was, uh, the mass shooting that happened, uh, oh, my God, uh, I'm lost for... Well, um, there's so no, many. It wasn't yeah. uh, Columbine. It was the one at Sandy Hook. Yes, and I felt like the time that he had in office, those children deserved a president who would push, no matter what the, the obstacle, to um, have some form of uh, gun uh, uh, safety measures or gun reform, and that was not done. And so I was really deterred uh, uh, by his by him not doing anything that I felt like he had the power to do. So, uh, like you know, this time around, 
you know, I, I didn't bother to do a background check on uh, none of these candidates. The only candidate that I did have some familiarity with was Senator Tom Olberg, whom I had did a, a Zoom meeting with uh, regarding, because uh, I know he's a gun sense candidate. So I was very familiar with his background and also with Gavin Newsom. But the others, I was not very sure um, about. But once again, I went on instinct and I went on more or less hope that these candidates are on our side. So, Gigi, do you make yourself a resource to candidates that you, you consider you, you have some kind of access to? Because we don't have access necessarily to the state-level candidates and re-electeds. But um, do, do you say, I'm, I'm Ellis Reed's mother, and I, I need your back in seeing that there are not other Ellis Reed mother in the future? Is that, do you, are you a poster woman in the very purest, most honorable sense? Well, being honest, um, if it had not been for Moms to Men Action, you know, to have this uh, the platform and the access to uh, these uh, candidates or uh, persons who are currently uh, in office, I don't know. Well, I'm not going to say that I, I, I wouldn't have had, you know, uh, contact uh, with them, but I would have done my very best and would have pushed, you know, for access uh, to them. But um, until the, when Ellis died, before that, Claudia, after Obama, I didn't uh, really care to vote. I was discouraged um, from voting because of the uh, of the way that gun violence was not addressed. It was it was like it was uh, put first, and then all of a sudden that it was forgotten about. And how? Do you forget about kids? How do you how do you forget about parents who are hurting and grieving, and that you know? Yes, okay, go with the thoughts and prayers. I get that, but uh, at, uh, at a certain point in time, there has to be something that would trigger you in your heart to want to do more, and just not just giving words. You know, I I, I really got discouraged. So, but this time around, when it it came at my front door, Claudia. That's when I, you know, I got in and I put my two feet in and uh, really start thinking, rethinking about my position and what I could do to help since I understand what uh, parents are going through. So as a last question, because we have really very remarkable women, um, you among them today, Gigi. But the last question, though, it's how and it's a it's an unwieldy one. And I apologize for doing that. But I want to give lip service to the through line of. You have a video surveillance camera segment of where your son was, in fact, shot fatally. And so you have a due process matter with local law enforcement. And is it, I don't know, the district attorney. Tell us about the, how what you're still waiting to have done could have bearing on what you want elected officials to perform on so there is justice for you, mother of Ellis Reed. I'm going to say his name one more time. Okay. Um, with the video footage that is currently on YouTube, the Fullerton Police Department uh, has it in evidence, and I've also talked with Todd Spitzer's office and uh, Deputy District Attorney Brad Sholieben. From the initial meet and greet with Chief Dunn, I felt like they were serious about the investigation. And when I came across the video footage, I 
called and 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 asked were they informed about it, and they were. But to date, uh, to be real quick about it, I feel like they're not doing a damn thing. I understand that uh, with the pandemic, Ellis died in 2019. Shortly thereafter, we had the pandemic, so it slowed things down. Right. But um, looking at the video footage and for them to uh, take a, uh, uh, I would say, a, a slow path to getting justice for my son is just unacceptable. And so I, I'm very discouraged and disenfranchised with Todd Spitzer in his office. Um, with the Fullerton Police Department, I'm still giving them uh, the benefit of the doubt. But I'm just looking forward to this year where we have, you know, new members in the Fullerton City Council. Uh, just hired a new mayor, Fred Jung, uh, a new city manager, Eric Levitt. So hopefully with that, we can, uh, can go with, uh, and, and get things, you know, push, you know, uh, forward to get justice for my son. So we'll we'll close this interview with let's have you come back when whomever is in office is in a position to make some kind of progress on your behalf. Can we do that at a later date? After Ask a Vote, we'll go back to Ask a Leader, and you can lead that way with us. Would you please? Well, yes, I, uh, I will do that. And I want to uh, say vote for your lives. Vote for the uh, children who are and the parents who are grieving, you know, today, please get out and vote. Thank you so much. This was first guest on Ask a Voter, Gisela Tanner, and she is the mother of Ellis Reed, whom we lost in 2019. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Claudia. Thank you so much. So we're going to be right back with... In minivan hell, that's Brianna. So stay tuned, everybody. To earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of Thank you for staying tuned. My next guest is the phenome herself, Brianna, a.k.a. Min- Minnie Van Hill, and she serves Orange County with hot and thoughtful takes on what is breaking a valiant service, as especially as we've experienced and witnessed crazy developments while remaining in place. Among her credits, she listens. And you know, folks, we don't get LinkedIn because we don't have a last name we're working with. For those of you waiting to see what Brianna's last name is, we cannot. We, I do not have it, folks. And I'm not withholding. I do not have it. So we can go off of her profile on Twitter, where we all known and grown to get bonded with her prestigious accomplishment. She calls it the Michael Roston Writing Contest. That's a little creative piece that high school students <coughs> win in Anaheim. Local mall beauty queen. I don't know how that inter- uh, inter- connects with uh, journalism. She's the She's got her best mom mug recipient, and she the most hated minivan. So I, I'm really not sure what she penned there. Her, as I said, since LinkedIn is off limits, we're going to go with that. And we're working with their first name because trolls got a troll, including some electeds that I'm not going to name. She comes to us today from a county location. Welcome to Ask a Voter, Brianna and in Minivan Hell. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Sorry. 
my my profile, my bad humor. I apologize. It's great. No, it's great. And that's how everybody who's maybe new to you can learn what this endearing exercise is all about. So, Brianna, tell us, when did you first register to vote? And tell us about the circumstances at the time. Okay. Well, I um, thank you for having me on this morning. Um, this question is such an easy question that everyone should be able to answer. And I have been a little stuck on it. So just a little bit of background, because I think that's important to kind of understand um, me a little bit. I grew up in Anaheim in Orange County. Um, My mom was a single mom who, um, she worked for the post office and she raised three children. I'm the middle child. And I guess you could have classified her as like a Reagan Republican. We were really low income. We struggled just to eat dinner. Um, We would listen to politics in the car with her when we would go places. So I grew up listening to the Rush Limbaugh, the Dr. Laura. So we had, I had some political influence there, listening to these talk radios and having my mom's opinions in the background so I just assumed, like my mom, that I was a Republican, and um, that's just how you voted. Um, as I got a little bit older, my politics evolved. Um, I remember a pivotal moment in high school when Prop 187 came out, and um, that was the initiative, uh, the California state ballot that uh, denied services to undocumented immigrants. And some of my teachers would have posters about it to um, tell their students that if this passed, that they wouldn't lose their education. And I was so upset over this proposition. And I would come home and listen to my mother, who had major difference of opinions on immigration. So it was kind of a um, split home where I just kept my opinions to myself and um I just assumed that I was a Republican. So at some point, I um, I don't remember exactly when I voted. I registered to vote, but after high school, I did register, and I registered as a Republican. So um, I think my first election was further down the line, um, about 2004, when George Bush ran against John Kerry. But, yeah, my story wasn't as interesting as most. I was kind of what... A lot of people talk about the youth of today who are a little political ignorant. I think I fell in that category. So I maybe had opinions, but I didn't really know how, how I didn't know what to do with those opinions. I remember at one point I went to Saddleback College. I had my political science professor. We had talked about our politics, and I had mentioned I was a Republican. And at one point we debated the death penalty, and he looked over at me and said, for a Republican, you sure make some strong Democratic talking points. So I think at that point I realized I maybe needed to shift parties, but that was a, in a, into adulthood after I started having kids and grew a little bit older. And unlike a lot of people who grow more conservative, I gravitated the opposite. Well, so this sort of calls uh, the point out that with education, that you might, with more information, you're voting disposition could be changed. It, it deepens or whatever. But I mean, education is the key thing here. You got you got an education after high school. So you didn't get you didn't have a, a much of an itch to scratch before you were at community college politically. Yeah, I did. And I was I was raised 
thinking that I couldn't go to college. I was told that we couldn't afford it, and it just wasn't something in my cards. So I went back to school as um, an adult after into my 20s, and I slowly started to take community college classes while I was working full-time. Um, I didn't graduate from college um, until I was after having my second child. So it Education took a while, and with that, I was building life experiences, and I was building my academics, and I realized at one point, I remember here, my mom would complain about government handouts. Like, that was a big complaint for her. She was very upset that people always wanted handouts, but then I would remember that as a struggling family, I would go to school, and I never had a lunch. You know, I had thrift store clothes that didn't fit me properly. My elementary school gifted us food for Thanksgiving because we didn't have any food in our cabinets. And all of these moments, I realized how some of these services would have helped me and my family. And I really wanted to make a change in my policies and what I voted for that would help other people that were living in the circumstances I was raised in. So um, there's a lot I want to find out. We're, we're not going to get into all of this too deeply, unfortunately. But so as you changed, did, did some of this rub off on your mother or did was there tension? How did that work, Brianna? No, it did not rub off on my mother. No, we do not. Um, politics is a hard conversation to have in our home. And um I try to avoid it as much as possible. <laughs> it, it doesn't work out well for our family to have any political discussion. Okay, so this is no. like you're like the very a very key demographic that's dealing with this kind of this divide running right through the family. So, uh, have you already voted? Have, uh, what is the reason? Why are you voting today? Well, I did vote. I voted this morning. I dropped off my ballot with my children. Um, I usually wait for election day to drop off my ballot. And I'm voting because I have a a couple of really local um, elections that are important to me, and especially the Board of Education, the Superintendent of Schools for Orange County, District Attorney, Um, Orange County Supervisor is not in my district that I'm voting for, but those were very important races. So I have realized through education and age and experience how important local elections are. So this was a primary that was very near and dear to my heart uh, that I was passionate about, and I was really excited to vote. I sat my kids down. We went over the ballots. They had questions. They wanted to know about judges all of us do. <laughs> they have so questions children, about what everybody did. Wow. What was a county supervisor? What was a, you know, what was a governor's job? So we had conversations. Um, we sat down as a family, and from there, I voted. So I enjoy voting, and I like having my kids involved when I do it. Well, okay. So that's the the, the transforming of a voter. So let's talk a bit about your transforming from a consumer of the news to a generator of news content. Talk about how you've become the phenome known very well around Orange County. I've never had this many listeners streaming. I want to thank all you listeners out there streaming right now. This is great. <laughs> uh, tell us about this transition well, into becoming <laughs> a citizen journalist, Brianna. Um. You know, it was a natural, I think that everybody kind of went through what I went through. Um, It was right at COVID and the lockdowns, the very early 2020, when all of us found ourselves at home, confused, scared, 
without answers and looking to see what was going to happen. So like everybody, I think we all felt, found ourselves in that circumstances. I wanted to know what we were doing locally to keep our community safe. I had no idea about the county supervisors. I didn't know what their job was. I didn't know anything. I had never listened to a meeting. I didn't even know who was on the board. So I had no idea about our county supervisors. And that was probably my first introduction to local politics. I heard, I think, on Facebook about the supervisors' meetings. And I logged in one day at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I started to watch them. And then I, I'm a curious person by nature, so I couldn't just watch them. I had to then Google each person and learn a little bit more about them. And from there, I just started to ask questions because I definitely don't know the answers. But thankfully, there are some amazing, knowledgeable people in Orange County. And I feel like we were able to build a community together and people were able to bring their own resources to the table. We have this phenomenal community where people bring in their experiences and their knowledge and we work through these conversations together because like everyone else, I was confused and I just wanted to know what was going on in our county. So that's where I kind of led a conversation of a community. I don't think of myself as anyone different than anyone else on Twitter. I just I just helped start the conversation. Well, uh, I think goddess is a, is a word that uh, I'm just willing to use here <laughs> in terms of how you engage all of us. And, and I'm just sort of imagining a kind of a, a setting. So inside a minivan would be like, I don't know how many children you have. We're going to keep all that a low profile. There, but <laughs> I have are... five. I openly talk about it. I oh. have a lot. I have a full minivan with a lot of car seats. A full minivan. So everybody's got a screen inside the minivan, and you're all tracking different kinds of Zoom sessions with uh, sitting elected officials. So I can just see in that minivan, so I can uh, <laughs> an, an op uh, vehicle there. And so so there's a high school student that um, – and background, I just I'm I'm aware there's that demographic. So, so, is the high school student just about registered to vote? My high school student is not old enough yet to not register. Quite. Okay, but so I'm I... sure that once they are old enough, they will be registering. We have um, had lots of conversations. I've taken them canvassing with me, and um, they are definitely starting to get more engaged in politics. In between, you know, being a high schooler, so so still enjoying being a child, but there are lots of conversations about politics, and I'm looking forward to watching them grow, and I just try to nurture them and understand that we won't always agree on everything, but hopefully I can um, give them some good insight to go off of when they grow older, so fingers crossed they get to register soon. So I don't know if you're, uh, you've shared, uh, there's a... It's kind of funny. You're the most recent tweet that I saw before I I did have to get to the station eventually. I dis, disengaged from my own desktop uh, locale, but at home. But the last one was it was kind of surprising that you put in a mythical write-in sheriff. So that I think that's the only mythology that I've I've been witness to in what you're about here with advancing political literacy because that's what you're doing. You are advancing political literacy in such pure terms. That's very kind. Well, no, but I, the question was, you, you chose a mythology, but there's a reason. Maybe it was, that was the little bit of the, 
the Twitter snark you want to give because this this person, um, other people, I wrote in a candidate. I guess I, that's all I need to say. Um, but uh, but you wrote in somebody that doesn't even exist, but in in the um, in Hollywood. So, but there there was a reason for that. You were conveying that message. Yes, I for um, sheriff. I personally didn't feel comfortable voting for Sheriff Barnes for multiple reasons. And so when um, I had no other options, I decided to do a write-in. So we have been joking on Twitter, and everyone has been making their opinions known on who they were writing in. Um, and everyone had, <laughs> everyone had someone funny. But I, with my children, I had watched the early seasons of Once Upon a Time, a television show, and one of the characters, Emma Swan, was the sheriff. So I had joked that I wrote her in, which I I did, for sheriff, and I said that Orange County Sheriff's Department is in desperate need of some female leadership, and she did a decent job for Storybrooke, which is the mythical town that she lived in. So it was... um, it was funny. We're making light of a situation that is incredibly frustrating. Not having someone who we feel comfortable voting for for sheriff is d- disappointing. So at this point, we're trying to make light of a terrible situation for our county. And hopefully going forward, we will have some changes and we can have some better people running for office that we can feel comfortable voting for. But until then, Emma Stone got my vote, or Emma Swan. Okay. So I'm, voting is kind of low uh, turnout so far. People are a little bit rattled, and I guess I, I want to say that it's not the when they say voter fatigue. There's nothing we can never touch candidates' fatigue in campaigning for themselves. So I, I don't let people off the hook with voter fatigue. I, the recall did happen last fall, but I don't know if you're using your platform, Brianna, to sort of like liven up the show, like, okay, everybody, you know your job. Is that part of the platform for you? I, I I guess subconsciously. I don't really think about it when I do it. I think that there's so many amazing people that are far greater than me that are working those streets, that are call, making those phone calls, sending those text messages, and are really working very hard to get those voters to come out. So I am nowhere near that level. I send out a couple of tweets encouraging what I can, but I think the real work are the people that put in the time and effort and the volunteer, those countless hours. So I am nothing to that extent, but I do know that I have somewhat of a platform and I want to use that to encourage what I can. I did not personally realize how important the primaries are, and I hope that I can remember that so I can't pass judgment onto other people because I was them. So I understand how hard it is. I can understand how frustrating it is. There are a lot of people that still come into my messages all the time asking me, who do I vote for the, for the Board of Education? The judges. The judges is an overwhelming, hard question. for. There's just not much information out there. So there's a lot of intimidation. And then people give up. They just assume, well, Newsom's going to be reelected, so we don't have to vote for him. Or, you know, I don't even know what the judges you know, what their opinions are, any information on them, so I'm not feeling comfortable to vote for them. A lot of people assume that the primary moves forward to November, 
so this doesn't even really matter, not realizing that there are different rules in California where, you know, the top two obviously move forward regardless of party. Some of our local elections, if they hit over the 51%, don't have to continue on. And then we have, you know, the superintendent as well as the Board of Education. This is their one election. It's one and done. So a lot of that information is easy for those that are in it and really understand it to to know, but there are so many people that don't understand that and don't understand how important it is. A lot of parents and caregivers who are going to um, their school board meetings that have a lot of opinions on what's happening on their education, but don't necessarily understand how the Department of Education and the Board of Education also plays a role. So I think just working on educating people, including myself, I'm learning something new every day. So as long as we can work together and use our platforms, whatever that may be, whether it's volunteering somewhere, making those text messages, which I love to get, postcards <laughs> are my favorite to receive, and knocking on those doors or using your social media platform, whatever it is that you have the skill set to do, I just really encourage people to take it to make a difference and really work on educating voters to understand how important it is because we all need a better understanding. So I'm going to be, just as a last point and question to raise here is, so do you have evidence that you've been not only bringing along people to go to the meetings themselves to get the sort of primary resource on on history being made in our local meetings. You're bringing people along the elections. Are you getting a feedback loop? You're realizing you are bringing more people to witnessing and to participating. Can you see that in your DMs and other kinds of evidence, Brianna? Uh, you know, I guess I I don't know. I I think that some people may contribute it to me, but I truly don't believe that it's because of me. I, Like I said previously, I, I think Twitter is a community, and I play a role in it, but there are plenty of people on there with further knowledge than I have. I recently posted about the election and if anyone had questions, and the majority of the questions were answered by other people. So I think I... I have a platform that can bring people together to have a larger conversation, but I don't know if I necessarily play a role in in advocating and and really inspiring people. At the end of the day, I'm truly just a mom, and I have a mom and a minivan with kids, and to think that I inspire any anyone to do anything is just something that I have yet to really come to terms with, but um, I am very grateful for every single person who contributes to the conversation and answers when I have questions and has really saved me because... This was a hard two years for, I think everybody can understand that. And I really leaned on the friendships that I made, and um, they were so valuable to me. So I, I, I don't know if I inspired anyone, but a lot of people inspired me. Okay, here is, we're going to thank very much. You can hear the modesty demonstrated here. I'm, I'm sort of speaking the obvious here. I want to thank you so much, Brianna, at Mini Van Hell is the handle we all known to know and love here on on the Twitter space. Thank you so much for being on Ask a Voter today. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
stay tuned. We're going to have on uh, Carol Rowe. I hope we can dial her up here. So stay tuned. Don't go away. Well, I don't believe we're going to have Carol Rowe on. We're going to try to queue up Julia Lupton for our final segment. Stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My final guest, we just didn't get Carol Rowe, but she's a, she's a little new in politics, so she probably was a little not sure she was ready for the prime time, but whoop, we'll get her back on. We'll get her on in another fashion. So the academic introductions are long, but Ask a Voter intros are very brief. Returning to the show with much shorter introduction is Julia Lepton, UCI professor of English Shakespeare scholar, founding director of UCI's Illuminations, which has made this campus ever greater, co-director of New Swan Shakespeare Center, the season of which is about to begin after having gone dark the two previous summers. So that's a big deal. She comes to us today from her office in Irvine. Welcome to Ask a Voter and back to KUCI, Julia Lupton. Hi, Claudia. Hi, thank you for being on here today. So tell us your voting story. When when did you first register to vote, and what were the circumstances at that time, Julia? Well, it was a long time ago, so I had to do a little bit of sort of memory scrubbing to <laughs> try to reconstruct a little bit of this. But my first presidential election was Tuesday, November 6th, 1984, and uh, I was 21 years old, uh, so I've been, you know, watching watching things happening. But it was my first time to get to actually vote in an election. And Reagan was de- Reagan defeated Walter Mondale, and uh, so people who were around in 1984 will remember this. It was a landslide, you know, victory for Ronald Reagan. My household was Democratic, so. We were pretty devastated, but um, it was exciting to vote for the first time and be part of the process. And did I you... don't remember the actual registration, but I do remember you know, going to a voting booth in the neighborhood, and there was very little absentee voting then. Everything was pretty much in person, is my memory. And it was exciting to be part of it, even though it didn't go the way that my household wanted it to. So you were with your family. That was sort of the that was the sort of uh, shared information, yes. the sort of political voting culture, so to speak. Yeah, I was in college, but living at home. And I remember, you know, we had a TV in the living room, and we watched the returns, and it was yeah, it was very much a family affair. Okay. Well, Julia, tell us why are you voting today, and did you already vote? Yes, I voted by mail. Uh, we spent some time you know, trying to collect information. We have a very active uh, neighborhood list serve. So there was a lot of you know, sharing of links and friends were sharing links. And 
you know, we just compiled stuff. We have four kids who also had absentee ballots, and they're all living not at home because they're in college or, or post-grad. And so we also sent them their ballots ah. along with some advice, some links, because a lot of it's pretty obscure at this point in the election. But so what, did you bring them along all in, over the years so they understood this is what people do? This is this is what's oh, required absolutely. attendance. Yeah. Yes, I mean I used to always vote in person. The on the mail voting has really just become very convenient in recent years. But no, when the kids were little, that was always a very fun thing to do to go to our community center. There'd be cookies and stuff from from the neighborhood, and we'd wait in line and we'd see other neighbors, often other neighbors with kids. And so yeah, the kids were very aware of voting. And they're pretty committed voters. And uh, I remember when Obama was running for president, we did a bake sale with a cake that had the famous Hope picture on it. And uh, the kids were very, very involved with that. Oh, and you have an artist in your family. Did the artist put that uh, on the the icing? Yeah, my daughter's a painter. (laughs) And uh, so she, yeah, she made a poster and uh, that was in that, Shepherd Fairy Obama style, and then we had it. I think I think Albertsons, our local supermarket, created the icing from the painting. Wow! So, Julia, I'm gonna. This is a hardball question. So I, uh, and I, I think it really must be asked. There are missives that come from administration at UC Irvine. I imagine all campuses and UCI and beyond that give a, uh, the importune, that's one word, uh, you may have a better word choice, you're the, you're the letters scholar between the two of us, but that, that give guidance to what is allowed in a, an electoral season, in a run-up to like a primary or general. So I, w- I would like for you, earnestly I ask, to respond to what, what do you take from those guides or importuning emails and what do you do as you interact with students because i know you're such an intentional institution building academic here so what's the interplay the the julia lupton way with the administration Mm -hmm. instructions and your need to be very fully engaged well, I mean, I, I really believe in voting as a as a civic right and responsibility. I would never tell students, however, how to vote. I think, you know, we have students from across the political spectrum, and I respect that. And I just try to, you know, encourage students to be informed and to take seriously this opportunity to express themselves in the public sphere through their vote. And that's you know, the same attitude I take with my children as well. I want them to feel like they're members of the body politic and that they need to find their way to their, you know, to their sense of what is right and just. So, and I think yes. our, you know, our, our campus classes and clubs and organizations can help support that process. And you do. I do. I try. I certainly try. Yes, I take it seriously. So do students, do they, yes. I just want to tell you one little election story from this Oh, good. That's perfect. Is that on on Sunday, 
I was uh, kind of recovering from a trip, and uh, the doorbell rang, and it was not, I saw a man at the door, and I didn't recognize him, and I, I, I came up somewhat tentatively, and he said, I'm here for Katie Porter. And I opened the front door, and not only was this gentleman there, but Katie Porter herself was there. <gasps> and um, I, was, I really was total fangirled out. <laughs> All right, did you cut? And I asked her if we could take a selfie. And I don't usually post political things on Facebook, but I did post a picture of Katie and me together and encourage people to vote. Wow. Well, I actually, I had, I've talked to two neighbors uh, yesterday that had the, the pleasure of having this uh, ever-wonderful encounter from the incumbent congresswoman. So, uh, and yeah. I, and I, I, It was very intimate and special, and my kids are also very into Katie Porter. So I was able to send that out to them on our group chat, and um, they were pretty pretty jazzed that she had dropped by. Okay. So, Julia, do you make a habit? Do you vote all the way down the ballot? I try to, you know, some of the some of the races are a little obscure, but there is guidance out there from the different, you know, Democratic parties and also from neighbors who are more informed about uh, some of the candidates. So I do try to to vote the entire ballot. Okay, okay. Well, do you have any pitches to make for uh, the folks here that want to? to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. There's been a lot of lively discussion in our neighborhood about how important some of these local elections are and, you know, the school board. And, you know, we we get very focused on the national election, who's going to be president, who's going to be senator, our houses, houses of representatives and so forth. But these local elections really are important. And our judges and our school board members and the water district, you know, these these are our civil servants and politicians who make a lot of decisions that affect how our communities operate. So I think it really is important to uh, attend all of the elections, not just the big ones. Well, I I want to thank you for setting aside time. This is a busy schedule getting the Swan Theater up and running after so much dust may have been accumulating on some of the, the, the moving parts. Maybe you had lots of institutional parts. You kept the dust off for the two years while you were dark. But So I want to thank you, Julia Lepton, for being on Ask a Voter today and giving us your voter story. <laughs> thank you, Claudia. And uh, we'll, we'll conclude here after a station break. Thanks a lot, Julia. So thin so rich Well, that is my wrap for today's show. I'm so glad to be with you all and carry this theme. Next week, I'm going to have on UCI professor... Eve Darian-Smith, and she's going to bring her brand new book with her. It's called Global Burning, Rising Anti-Democracy and the Climate Congress. And returning in the second segment will be Brooke Aston Harper to talk about her upcoming play that we'll all get to see in July, but it'll give us a little heads up here. It's going to be presented at the Wayward Artist Collection of Rage, A Play in Five Bettys. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and remember to vote.